We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. We got the mics in place. It's uh, it's Halloween, so a lot of a lot of good things going on. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It's uh, world renowned. Um, yep. Derek Van Riper here on one mic. Nick Whalen at the other mic today. Uh, Nick, you see him a little under the weather. Was it a, a busy Halloween weekend for you? For Halloween, really. for people who don't know, uh, in Madison's a big deal. It's and big, big, big deal. What the tradition has become is uh, college students from other towns and cities and areas coming to Madison to tear things apart. And it got better over the last few years because the main drag, State Street, 
has been uh, kind of turned into like this almost like a concert festival sort of thing. So it, it just uh, by charging like eight bucks admission yeah. somehow has like diffused the crowd in a way where it doesn't end in the tear gas riots that I was familiar with in the uh, the mid two thousands. Yeah, I I didn't know that that ever happened. Tear gas, really? Yeah, yeah, wow. tear gas. Um, yeah, I've, I'm actually you know I've lived here on and off you know full time for five four years now. But you know since coming to college in 2010, I'm I'm 0 for seven now on going to Freak Fest, which is the the aforementioned festival that you talked about on State Street. So they basically like close off any entrances to State Street, uh, and you have to pay to get in. And there's concerts, and I don't know, there's some some country man was singing Kip Moore, I think. Yeehaw. Kip Moore. Don't know, don't know Beer what money? about. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't really interested in that. But the thing is, like, to go to these bars, you obviously need to get on to State Street. So, like, you're basically paying, like, a cover that gets you into every bar. Uh, but all the bars are extremely packed, and it's just, it's just not a good scene. So, actually, I did the unthinkable, and I stayed in on Friday night. Uh, and just just hung out with the guys and you know watched some NBA, rested up for the XM show on Saturday. Yeah, you were so ready for that. Peak energy. It's good. Um, so that was great. Saturday night was a lot of fun. You know, went and watched the Badgers game uh, at a fine establishment uh, called Lucky's on Regent Street. It was the uh, new the new. Yeah, Lucky's, it was actually right? really nice. Yeah, it was. It's way different than the old Lucky's. It's like eight times bigger. And it's like a, a respectable fun. brew pub. Right? Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, it was perfect. We you know we didn't get a seat for the game, but like you know ninety percent of the people there are standing. So whatever. Uh, and you know Wisconsin won at home in a night game on Halloween weekend at Camp Randall, which is just all, all the stars aligned really, and it was a good weekend. Um, I, basically, I really needed Saturday, you know, the Badgers winning Saturday too to kind of compensate for what happened on on Thursday night. Yeah, you've been you've been struggling, I've been uh, really struggling. all season long. I mean, you, you just don't look like the same person. You you look I am pale. You look tired. You look you just look worn out mm-hmm. from. Uh, Gus Bradley and company. The and fact that Gus Bradley still has a job—that's that's kind of the one thing that's weighed on me the most. But they they elbow dropped Greg Olson. He's gone. He yeah, I, I, and they replaced him with the quarterbacks coach. It's like what what's been like the biggest problem seemingly with this Jaguars offense has been the play of the quarterback. So let's promote the guy who's coaching the guy who's playing poorly. Yep. Uh, yeah. Apparently the Jaguars are they're flying in a quarterback coach to work with Blake Bortles this week on his mechanics. Because I don't think they have a quarterbacks coach right now. Because now the quarterbacks coach is the OC. I would argue they didn't have one before, based well, on performance. Zing, boom. Um, yeah, look, hey, I'm I'm bummed too, though, about stuff, and uh, a big part of that. The Packers uh, depleted, falling they look short. Good, though they actually that looked was the normal. Best Rod- I mean, Rodgers looked good, uh, you know, against Chicago in the second half last week. But this was the best that Rodgers has looked in like a year and a half, right? They looked normal with with one caveat. Um, the routes still aren't really gaining separation consistently, no. like like longer routes. Everything shorter underneath still works, and uh, Rodgers has the, the accuracy, still has the zip on his throws. No running game to speak of. I mean, well, considering the circumstances with what they were dealing with personnel-wise yesterday, that's actually a pretty good yeah, outcome. Yeah, I think so, too. I think like this is a really good Atlanta team. This is you know, the best offense in football for most of the year. Um you know, things could maybe be different at the end of that game. You could tell, you know, Rodgers wanted Devontae Adams, I think, to cut off that route. Um, There's a little bit of confusion, you know, at the end. And on fourth down, Adams is looking over his left shoulder, balls going to his right. You know, like, there was a window there. If Adams runs where he's supposed to run, presumably where Rodgers wanted him to run, 
Green Bay's in pretty good shape uh, at that point. You know, still you know a, a desperation situation, but uh, you know, I, I think a one point loss on the road when your second best receiver is named Geronimo, uh, you know, isn't really the end of the world. Uh, that said, you know, the running game, like you said, was not their third best. I suppose it depends depends how much you like Devonte Adams. But, it, yeah, um, I mean, I, I know, I know, like you don't like Devonte Adams, right? My no, wife, I do. my wife hates Devonte Adams. Why? I. She like, she was going off, and I said, "Hey, you Let's know, did you watch the game against the Bears?" But yeah, that was against the Bears. Like, well, he still did it. Like, he's got what twenty five catches in the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, is that crazy? Twelve he, catches on fourteen targets yesterday for seventy four yards and no touchdowns. Uh, so maybe that's why she doesn't like him. But you know, the, the Green Bay rushing attack obviously wasn't there. Uh, you know, your that your second leading rusher is Ripkowski. Uh, and, but the nice thing was Rodgers was able to, to scamper around a little bit, and you know, obviously, you know, I don't think you really count that as you know traditional running game. But you know, the lanes were there. It wasn't like he was you know making defenders miss left and right. It was you know Atlanta was not really respecting that part of the Green Bay offense, and then Rodgers was able to get to a career high uh, sixty yards on only six carries. We should do something different today because I'm already okay. I'm already just not feeling the usual All right. plan. And uh, what do you want to do? We're six and a half minutes in, so. Too late to go back. Too late to just completely turn the car around, I think. But mm-hmm. let's uh, let's just go team by team. I mean, we're halfway through the season. Some teams have had a yeah. bye. They've only played seven games. A couple teams haven't played because it's Monday. Um, but let's just kind of look team by team and, and talk about the current state of things. Like, what's what's good? What's bad? Where are they going? You know, we'll, we'll start in the AFC. We'll start in the AFC East because... We've got such a an East Coast bias in this office. We actually don't actually have an East not at Coast all. bias. We really don't like the East Coast. Uh, not in like well, a I, speak for yourself. Not in a malicious sort of way. I, I just I don't I, I care no more about the East Coast than about the West Coast. They're they're equal in my heart. Okay, that, uh, that's, that's that classic that classic Van Riper impartiality. Well, yeah, and you know this along with my uh, ongoing feud with Rachel Nichols. Um, you know, it's what really defines me. But let's just start. With the AFC East to get it over with, mostly yeah. Patriots are now seven and one. Tom Brady's on pace for like almost four thousand yards in twelve games, uh, thirty six TDs, no picks. I mean, he's tearing it up right now. And for me, it's kind of like the Patriots versus the field in the AFC. Like that—that's a coin flip. Like if if you said you can have your choice, I'm not sure which side I'd actually want to be on. And I think. I'd probably, in a gun-to-head scenario, which I really hope it doesn't come to that, yeah, we'll see. I, I'd go Patriots because, they, barring injuries, they just look like the most complete team yeah. in the league, but especially in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, they're the only team that really hasn't had like one or two losses where you're starting to reconsider what you thought about them. You know, I mean, the loss to Buffalo you can throw out because of the quarterback situation back then. I mean, now they're this has been a vintage Patriots team, as we expected, ever since Tom Brady came back. Um, but, you know, the other top teams in the AFC, you know, Pittsburgh already has three losses. And you know, I, I like Cincinnati coming into the year. They tie uh, in London yesterday against Washington. You know, the AFC South, you can just toss out uh, entirely. Uh, and then even in the West, you know, Denver's had a couple slip-ups where, you know, for the most part they've looked good. But, you know, they, they lose at San Diego a couple weeks ago, really weren't able to get anything going offensively in that game. The Raiders are 6-2, and two, but they also feel like a team that could lose to about 26 other teams just about any week. So, you know, like you said, I think New England is the best team and by far the most consistent team in the AFC. 
Yeah, I think when you look at the week-to-week value of what they've got, I mean, you feel great about Gronk right now compared to where you were when he first came back from that hamstring injury. Brady looks like a top two, top three quarterback. LeGarrette Blunt's still getting volume. Uh, Edelman's stock is down a bit from where it started to begin the year. He did score yesterday. Uh, Chris Hogan had a, a meaningful role for, for like 91 and a TD, I think, yesterday. Yep. Only four targets, though, so if you're chasing Hogan on the waiver wire... You're doing it with the caveat of he still doesn't have a large role and he probably still needs Edelman to go down with an injury in order to have uh, a more meaningful role week to week. If Gronk or Bennett went down, I guess Mm -hmm. that could open up a few targets as well. But it's business as usual in New England. James White's kind of on the the week in, week out, like inconsistent but still rosterable in full point PPR Mm -hmm. leagues pile. Uh, Let's move on to Buffalo. I mean, the Patriots just played Buffalo yesterday. Tyrod held in check. No receivers really to speak of. Charles Clay got banged up. Kind of what you expect. EJ Manuel got in this game. EJ Manuel played a little. Mike Gillisley looked fine for the carries he had. Scored like 85 yards on 12 carries. LaShawn McCoy being out there is going to make all the difference as to whether the Bills can sneak in as like a wild card team or if they fall just short and finish close to 500. Yeah, I mean, ever since, you know, probably week two, week three, this has been LaShawn McCoy's offense. Uh, and I, th- I think the Bills have recognized that they don't really have uh, any high-end weapons outside of McCoy. And, I mean, even if LaShawn McCoy had played in this game against New England, I don't think the result is really all that different. Mike Gillisley, I think, did about it, uh, as well as you could expect on 12 carries, as you mentioned, getting to 85 yards and, and into the end zone. But, um, I mean, this team is going to kind of ride or die, I think, with, with LaShawn McCoy. And this was the right move, holding him out, I think. You know, we saw him try to play at 70%, 80%, whatever he was two weeks ago. Ends up tweaking the hamstring. Even before that, he was ineffective, you know, less than uh, two yards per carry. And uh, I think, you know, you look at this New England matchup, and if you're being realistic in your Buffalo, you, you got to say, all right, we probably don't have the greatest chance to win this. Uh, so, you know, let's not kind of compound what, what would already maybe be a loss by, you know, further injuring our best offensive player. Yeah, they just made a mistake last week by letting him play. Like, if yeah. they hadn't let him play last week, there's a chance probably he goes against week. New England. The game might be a lot different. But running the ball wasn't the problem. It was just they couldn't do anything through the air, which you kind of expect against teams that – or at least average against the pass. I mean, with the Bills, they just don't have weapons. I don't think it says a lot about Tyrod Taylor. I think it says a lot about that group of pass catchers uh, as a whole. Uh, The Dolphins were off this week, thankfully. Three and four on the season. Uh, Jay Ajayi emerging as an elite back. And I'm looking at the Rotowire cheat sheet right now. He is ranked sixth among running backs for the rest of the season. I mean, that means that only David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, DeMarco Murray and Devontae Freeman are ranked ahead of Jay Ajayi going forward. But when you start to think about it, Devontae Booker didn't do what we expected yesterday, below three yards per carry against the Chargers, got a bit banged up. Spencer Ware concussed yesterday, and I I, I would see a case for if we knew Ware was going to be healthy and start the rest of the year, where you'd probably take Ware over Ajayi because you trust the Kansas City offense a little more than you trust Miami's offense as a whole. Uh, Puts Ajayi ahead of Todd Gurley. Lamar Miller, who's been dinged up and disappointing. McCoy, who we just talked about. Melvin Gordon, who nobody likes because he scores TDs, but he's not efficient most weeks. I like Gordon more than most because I trust him to keep getting that volume. Melvin Gordon has 161 carries this year, and the Chargers haven't had their bye week yet, so that's a factor. But he also has 24 receptions, so 10 total TDs, but 185 touches. It's hard to find any back in the league right now 
uh, short of those top backs, short of Zeke, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, DeMarco Murray, who you expect to see volume like that week in and week out. But do you agree with the idea that Ajayi is like a firm RB1 right now? I mean, you kind of have to, right? I mean, the sample size is still so small, but it's been so good, you know, in these last two games getting over 200 yards and, you know, having a bye this week, we weren't able to kind of see where he checked in. Uh, in week eight, but I think you made the point yourself. Kind of, I mean, beyond those those five guys ahead of him, it's really hard to to make a strong case for anyone below Ajayi. Um, you know, in, in terms of the workload they're going to receive, uh, in terms of how they've looked this season. I mean, I, I'm still high on Todd Gurley, and I think just about everyone is still high on him as a as a football player. But we're what seven games in, and he's still you know it's the same same story every single week. You know, he's not breaking off long runs, he's not getting into the end zone. The Rams' offense, you know, still sputters, and and they can only throw the ball every every now and then. Uh, I mean, I just don't know at what point we we have to kind of say like, all right, maybe he's just not gonna finally break out of this. You know, we're seven games into the year, and it still hasn't happened. So, no, I think it's fair at this point to put a Jai ahead of him, even if you know you can still acknowledge that yeah, Todd Gurley is probably still the better player. Uh, but if you're talking strictly fantasy, it, it's hard to to go against a Jai right now. As far as the passing game goes, we've seen Ryan Tannehill struggle more often than not this year. Uh, Jarvis Landry still pretty steady for for PPR purposes. I mean, if you look at him, even in a non PPR league, he's a top twenty five receiver uh, in terms of his per game fantasy output, right in line with what Randall Cobb has done this year. Even if you didn't like Landry coming to the year, like I I didn't, and uh, you kind of see how he's being used. You, you feel better about him now than you did eight weeks ago. The real disappointment, I think, in the passing game is Devonte Parker. I mean, he's not even the highest scoring Devontae. I know the spelling is different. So That's right. It could be a technicality. That's right. But Devontae Parker isn't even close to returning the value people expected when they were taking him as, in some cases, their wide receiver two, but in many cases, a wide receiver three in the first five rounds of drafts back in August and September. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... The Dolphins have been a tough team to figure out, obviously, um, and you know, I, you know, with them being off this week again, we weren't able to really get any more clarity on that situation. Um, yeah, I mean, it, who's who's regressed more to you this year? Is it Tannehill or Bortles? It's got to be Bortles, right? Bortles had a high, higher starting point, so yeah, yeah, that's why. But they're they're playing at similar levels right now, where I'm not really intrigued by either of them yeah. and if i had to pick one that was more likely to bounce back it might actually be ryan Tannehill right now i think so and the reason for that is that things are different in miami adam gaze being a new head coach maybe he starts to adapt to a new system with bortles it's just more of the same like there's little reason to think things are going to be mm-hmm. radically different because this is the same environment he was in throughout last season and even the year before that and we just haven't seen him sustain anything that resembles the production from last year. Now, Thursday night kind of was a flash of 2015 Bortles again with the garbage time special. I just, oh, yeah. I don't, that was peak garbage time. What Scoring a touchdown with one second left. But he didn't do it against Oakland in week seven, and that continues to uh, to bother me for, for a lot of different reasons, the main one being that I had a Bortles stack going uh, in the Millie Maker. That's my own fault. I, I realize like it's my fault if I think Blake Bortles can be good for any particular matchup. At the same time, if you're going to be bad most of the time, you should at least be good against Oakland. You should. Uh, you one would think. Uh, but this is a special situation and a special football team that we're dealing with here. Let's talk Jets briefly. Uh, Matt Forte getting volume again this week, finding the end zone twice. The, the volume has been there two weeks in a row again, but the efficiency hasn't really been there for the better part of the last five games now. 
Bilal Powell looks much better on a per carry basis. I, back in the league. I just keep wondering if the Jets are going to make that change at some point down the stretch. They probably won't because they so. brought Forte in for a reason. They they knew what Bilal Powell was. And here we are. You looking at you looking at the Jets right now, 157 carries this season for Matt Forte, which is way more than I would have expected through eight weeks. Yeah, 25 carries uh, in that win over Cleveland. Uh, a less than convincing win for the Jets, but, but a win nonetheless and one that they badly needed. Uh, Cleveland keeps getting closer. I, I thought this might be the week. You know, Maybe it's, maybe it's next week. It's going to be one of these weeks. This is not an 0-16 uh, football team. But, but in terms of Forte, I, I don't really see him losing a grip on this job. I still think that they like what he gives them Excuse me, as a receiver out of the backfield, although he didn't do too much of that. Uh, on Sunday, but I mean Powell, I guess deficiency wise was the back to own in this game. He did get in the end zone on a long touchdown uh, that that actually gave the Jets the lead in this game, seventy six yards on just six carries. Quincy Anunua also looks to be pretty useful on a week to week basis right now. He had a long catch in this one as well, found the end zone uh, for the second week in a row, uh, kind of a uh, rising without Eric Decker, and I, I'm glad to see it because I have him in a couple deeper leagues and it's worked out pretty well at this point whether they keep playing ryan fitzpatrick that remains to be seen apparently bryce petty has emerged as the clear backup because christian hackenberg is not good moving on to the afc west raiders now six and two five and oh on the road Derek carr putting up 500 yeah. yards yesterday no no big deal just just going for five bills yeah. i mean overtime helped but still he was having a big game before that uh, almost, we, we narrowly avoided uh, what would have been a second tie in a, in a matter of a couple of hours uh, on Sunday. But uh, thankfully, Derek Carr was able to, uh, you know, stave that off, find Seth Roberts. They, they went for it on fourth and three in overtime with just under two minutes left. Uh, Janikowski had already missed two long field goals uh, in overtime to, to potentially win the game for Oakland. Uh, so an interesting play call, but but Riverboat Del Rio just continues to to pull off these late victories yeah i mean five and zero on the road is know. is really impressive they still get denver twice including in week nine so we'll know what this team is made yeah. of uh in short order but the broncos also at six and two i mean if you're looking at cooper crabtree right now it's one of the better duos at wide receiver uh, in the league in yeah. part because Carr has to air it out they don't run it all that well i mean latavius murray's workload dipped again we saw uh, jalen richard deandre washington get a handful of carries each it's just one of those situations that sets up very well for the pass because the raiders defensively are a team that leave mm-hmm. plenty to be desired so they're very shootout prone yeah, I, I mean, I th- this is an offense that's got to be you know top six or seven week to week, uh, especially in a matchup like this against Tampa Bay, who's kind of equally shootout prone in a lot of ways. Um, I remember when Carver, I hate to keep bringing Jags into this. I, actually, I don't. I like to keep bringing Jags into this. But remember when Carr versus Bortles was a legit debate a few weeks ago, like like maybe a month and a half ago? Uh, I mean, Derek Carr, 40-59, 513 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. I mean, he's... I, he's kind of left Blake Bortles in the dust. I think those were two guys that had kind of been compared to this point in their careers. But uh, Oakland looks like they they have their their quarterback of the future. And, and there's but there were calls for Chad Henney on Thursday night for some reason. Uh, Blake Bortles, by the way, is only about a half point per game below what Derek Carr is averaging from a fantasy perspective right now. In part because Blake well, Bortles yeah. has 145 rushing yards and a rushing score. Just throwing yeah. that out there. Well, he's dynamic. You know, he does a lot of things for you. Uh, like he's, I mean, that 
it was it's just the epitome of garbage time on Thursday. I don't even want to talk about it. It was such a shame. Elite garbage time. Let's talk Denver. I think Devontae Booker has the path to become a top 10 running back in the absence of C.J. Anderson. And, and what he did against San Diego was disappointing. Jawan Thompson uh, vultured a TD in this game. But Trevor Simeon just continues to be ample and, and little more. I, I don't know if that's going to change at any point uh, during the second half of the season. If you're trying to pick the winner of the AFC West based on what you've seen through a half season, Chiefs have well, one fewer game played uh, thanks to having their bye week already. You get the Raiders and Broncos at 6-2, and two, Chiefs at 5-2. and two. Who do you think the best team is in this division when it's all said and done this year? It's still the Broncos, right? Um, I mean, Oakland's been impressive, uh, you know, like we just talked about. But, I mean, th- look at that differentials. They're just plus 12 on the season. They've, they've allowed, uh, you know, close to like 70 more points on the year than, than the Denver defense. And, you know, they've been able to, uh, to, to kind of outscore teams and, and pull off a couple close uh, victories. I think I wouldn't want to say that luck runs out because you know there is there is certainly some skill in, in winning these type of games. But I think they things have broken in their favor more often than not through the first half of the season to be six and two. Uh, I think this is probably you know closer to a nine or ten win team than a, a team that's on pace you know for twelve or thirteen wins. Uh, so I think I think Denver is still the best team in this division, and, and they'll show that in, in their two remaining matchups with Oakland. Yeah, defensively, I think that's where the edge right. comes, and I, I just I see this. This Denver defense still having allowed just 136 points on the season. Still room for some improvement, too, as DeMarcus Ware uh, continues to get healthy. Uh, talking Chiefs, though, I mean, they're, they're banged up right now because we saw Alex Smith and Spencer Ware leave this game with concussions. Uh, it could put Nick Foles under center. It could put Sharkandrick West in the backfield as the teams lead back. And I suspect that uh, Jake and Eric will talk a lot about West on the waiver podcast tomorrow. For me, Sharkandrick West is less talented than a healthy Jamal Charles and less talented than Spencer Ware, but 4.2 yards per carry this season, and he's shown an ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which is pretty important in Andy mm-hmm. Reid's offense. Yeah, yeah. This uh, the Jamal Charles situation is kind of odd going forward now. I mean, Kansas City's sitting at five and two. They're they're never a team that you come away like you know super impressed with with their wins, but they just seem to get it done, uh, and it's been more the same this year. And I do wonder. I mean, obviously you want Jamal Charles back in this offense, but the way that Spencer Ware has been able to play these last three weeks, it, yeah, there's really no urgency for that at this point. If West is going to miss significant time, that changes for me because I, I do want to see what Charles can do. But at the same time, he's on, uh, on schedule for a visit with Dr. James Andrews to check out his surgically repaired knee. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, hopefully he'll get some good news this week, but it looks like we'll see a lot of Sharkandrick West yeah. coming up for this next matchup. Jacksonville on the schedule in Week Nine. You got to be feeling great about a trip to Arrowhead right now if you're a Jags fan. I'm not going to acknowledge that. Yeah, you're 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 just losing all all desire to Done watch desensitized. the Jags. Let's talk about the Chargers. Three and five, a lot of close losses this year. To me, this is one of those teams that if you're looking at the the group of teams below 500. In the AFC, they're the one that I like the most, but they also have the most difficult path to a playoff spot because I think the AFC West, top to bottom, is the best division in that conference. Yeah, it is. I mean, in terms of you know getting to the, the top of that division, certainly they have the toughest task. I mean, this is a team that's that's plus thirteen on the year despite being three and five. Um, you know, I mean, they'd, they'd probably be in first place if they were in the AFC South. Um, but the schedule going forward for San Diego. 
uh, is very favorable. They've already played Denver twice, split with the Broncos, which I think is probably the best you could ask, really, with, with as good as, as this Denver team is. And I mean, look at these matchups going forward. Like, which do they have a? I mean, they obviously have a chance to lose any of these games, but are there any that you really, really don't feel good about? Tennessee at home, Miami at home, into the bye at Houston, home against Tampa, at Carolina, home to Oakland, at Cleveland home against KC. So maybe week 17 against Kansas City, you don't feel great about. But other than that, I mean, it's, that Carolina team hasn't looked all that good. They could win seven in a row. Like, I mean, they seem like that type of team, you know, they've that, got that ability. Like they have, this is even without Jason Verrett defensively, which is a big loss for them. Right. I think they're going to have a lot of difficulty stopping opposing teams, top receivers on a week to week sort of basis. But if you were looking for a long shot to bet a long shot to win uh, the AFC, or possibly yeah. like win the Super Bowl, because you're just trying to get well, yeah. good odds. I mean, the Chargers sneaky right now. The it's teams three that you five. look at when you're—I mean, not that I'm—I don't think you and I are going to make any sort of long shot Super Bowl bets like that. But like something that you look for in that situation is you know a good quarterback play, and that's something that San Diego's always had. Like that's never been the issue. You know, is Philip Rivers can beat anybody any week. It's just a matter of whether or not he has the weapons around him and the defense behind him. Uh, you know, to, to kind of make that happen. So, I, yeah, I think I think they're one of those teams for me. Um, you know, I, I'm out on the AFC South altogether. I don't I don't think there's a long shot Super Bowl team in there at all. Um, the AFC North, you know, I, Cincinnati. I don't know. I mean, they. I don't think they're they're not the team that I thought they were. Well, if you look at America's division, the Texans right. at five and three have a minus thirty point differential, yeah, right. and they're in first place. Is that crazy? Own three on the road, five and zero oh at home. Brock isn't going to get better. I, I, it's just not going to happen. It's funny though because the first place Texans are fifty-five to one to win the Super Bowl. The Chargers are eighty to one. Well, that, that's just because like the Texans, I think by virtue of having the much better chance to get into the playoffs and have something crazy happen. No, fifty-five to one to me for a team that's five and three through the first <laughs> half seems like pretty long odds. Like I, oh, oh right, sure. Vegas seeing right through how crappy Houston. Yeah. What are the Jags really odds? Is. Are they on there? Uh, down. Question. To, it just says, there's six. a question mark. It says, "Are you sure you want to do this?" You'd please verify that you're 18. Yeah. Yeah. It's captcha. Like, prove right. you're not a, a robot <laughs> for even you asking. You can only bet a maximum of like five dollars. Five hundred and fifty to one at two and five. Hey, five fifty to one. I might. I might throw a couple bucks there. If you, I, I will. We'll, we'll talk off air. I don't want to, you know. Say, yeah, can Rotowire like sponsor me betting on the Jaguars? <laughs> Rotowire cannot. I uh, I am not authorized to speak on behalf of the company. Uh, no, what but a I'll dream just, job that would be. They, they cannot. Okay. Uh, San Francisco is eighty five hundred to one. This is VegasInsider.com that I'm looking at, and then uh, Cleveland at nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine to one at zero and eight. I mean. Like, is there even a scenario in which they can get into the playoffs? I guess, right? Like they need help. They would need like every team to lose every game, which I'm not sure is mathematically possible. <laughs> they had to win eight in a row, and they need like ten different elaborate scenarios to unfold. You know, somebody's bet on that. The, somebody, you know, like at zero and four, somebody was. Well, because, now they got Jamie Collins. You know, well, yeah, Jamie Collins will put him over the top. But just the way things have gone. For Cleveland this year at like 0 3, 0 4. I'm sure there were a handful of people still throwing down futures bets on the Browns to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, mostly because I think they just want to like take a photo of it and tweet it just in case. All right, so Josh McCowan's playing quarterback now for the Browns. We'll go bottom to the top from the AFC North. Sure. Uh, is there anything at all other than Terrell Pryor that you're excited about with no. the Browns? 
Corey Coleman should be back in a couple weeks. That's cool, he too. Was, he was good before he got hurt. That was fun. Um, they might be a watchable 0-16 They are. Team. They really are. Like, there's the teams that we've seen that have, like, really, really tanked, you know, the the 2011 Jaguars, the 2012 Jaguars, the 2013 Jaguars, the you know that Lions team. Like Usually it's just like a sad, like they find these like horrible ways to lose these games. Like the Browns have been, they're 0-8, but they've been very competitive. They haven't like killed themselves. They haven't had like any of those Josh McCown like helicopter plays, you know, where it's just kind of emblematic of how a season is going. Uh, like they've looked like a very, very competent football team. And like, like I said last week on this podcast, like I wish they matched up with, with the Jaguars this season because I think that'd be a great game. I like when a team ties, by the way, how it, it breaks the streak thing. There's, there's not like a T1 that pops up oh, in that like column. On, like wins or losses. Like, yeah, yeah, like when you just Google the NFL standings, it comes up yeah. with like a pretty useful Right. They're, they're not snapshot. on a one-game winning streak or a one-game losing streak. They're on a one-game tie streak there should be a, a t1 there but you're, if they tie again next week do they move to like t2 then i would love to see a t2 on there but were you were you rooting for a tie one in the early game or two in the oakland game i never root for ties just for like kind of max carnage i no. was definitely rooting for it in the oakland game like two ties in one weekend that would have been great i mean this is like in the midst of the nfl you know this every week it seems like the the voices grow louder of this product stinks viewership is down i don't want the nfl to burn no me neither i i, I don't it, it's i just don't happening think, it's not no it's not though it, I, that's it why happening. i think it's like way overstated like burning by nfl standards is like thriving for any other enterprise how many teams do you look forward to watching week to week, though? Like, actually, like, you're like, hey, I can't wait to watch this team play. Like, how many teams are actually in that boat for you right now? Because I like boats. I, I love boats. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, can't wait to watch is maybe a little strong, but like, I like watching New England. I like watching Pittsburgh still, Cincinnati. Uh, skip down a little bit. You like Denver. watching the Chiefs right now? I never like watching the Chiefs. No. Hmm. Okay. They're, just, they're not a fun team. I, I'm an air raid guy. They're they're not really an air raid team. Chargers, Chargers, yeah, love watching the Chargers. You like watching Philip Rivers sling it? Yes, great air raid quarterback. Yeah, but America's division. I mean, I, do you even like watching the Colts? Like the Colts no. are so bad at protecting Andrew Luck. No. I don't know. I don't like watching any of these teams. The t- like the Titans were kind of fun to watch actually on Thursday. Like they, they had some really creative play calls. I thought they looked really good. Are the Colts an elaborate snuff film? What is that? I mean, it's like where someone's just going to die. Like, it's like oh. Andrew Luck. It's just like, it's like a slow, yeah. painful, but complicated right. scenario in which he will be just destroyed yeah. by the team around him that He's Ryan Grigson and company have yeah. built. I mean, they need to hire baseball guys to run that team. They need to follow the Browns' lead and just clean house and start it's over. It's worked well for the Browns. That's a, that's a long-term yeah. project. I mean, the yeah, Browns... It's a, long, it's a long con for the Browns. Empty cabinet when mm-hmm. uh, Paul D. Podesta and company took over. So yeah. I... I oh, that's true. I think the Browns are... They're on the way up, Nick. That you would think. They have nowhere to go but up. Uh, we'll go up uh, one level in the AFC North. Ravens at 3-4 and four after a fast start. They've lost four in a row. Only a minus six point differential, which makes you think, well, if the Ravens were in America's division, they'd probably be like 6-2. and two. Well, like they haven't played, eight, no. haven't played eight games, so I guess they'd, they'd be 5-2, and two, but hey, whatever. Uh, Joe Flacco looks banged up. Terrence West looks good at times. Mike Wallace, better with Flacco than he was uh, in Miami. I mean, that, that kind of goes without saying, and better mm-hmm. than he was in, in Minnesota as well. Do you think the Ravens just hang around 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, just typical yeah, Ravens? I think so. I mean, in a lot of ways, they remind me of the Chargers, but the, I don't know if the upside is quite there. 
You know, like, like, like San Diego can score with anybody. I don't think Baltimore can score with anybody. Um, I, I think they do hang around, though. I mean, they're, they're a good enough overall football team. They, they don't have any glaring weaknesses, but they don't have any, like, you know, great strengths, I, th- I think, either. I wonder if when this season ends, though, if we, if we look back at this tie that the Bengals had with the Redskins and say, well, if the Bengals would have just won that game and yeah. not let Kirk Cousins throw for 458 yards, they would have been, they would have made the playoffs, but instead right. they're going to be like eight seven and one yeah. instead of nine and seven, and that's going to be the difference between getting that number six seed in the AFC playoffs and going golfing. Right? No, I think so. I mean, the there are other losses, you know, but before Sunday, I think were somewhat understandable as we we I think harped on on the last podcast on Monday with you know Steelers, Broncos, Cowboys, Patriots. Like ideally, you don't lose all four of those, but you can kind of rationalize all four because those are very good teams. Uh, the Redskins aren't a terrible team, but that's a game that if you're Cincinnati, you should win. Um, I, it, the road's going to be tough now for them to get back into the playoffs. As this league destroys itself with bad quarterback play, it makes you feel even better if you're a Bengals fan about Andy Dalton, who yeah. continues to make he's good small improvements. I, I think he's one of those players that he'll never be considered a star in the league. It's, just, it's never going to happen. But he's above that tier. He's above the the Kirk Cousins, Joe Flacco tier for me. Right. Like just one small notch above those players, and that leaves Cincinnati in a good place for the next few years. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, when the NFL was presumably considered healthier, I guess, and the quarterback play was seemingly better overall. You know, it's questions like, can you win a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton? Now it's like relative to the rest of the quarterback play in the league. It's like you can absolutely win a Super Bowl if Andy Dalton's your quarterback. It's amazing that things have changed that much because there was a point where people just thought, Andy Dalton's terrible. I can't believe the the Bengals are locking him up. Well, there's this belief, and maybe it is partially true, that you need you need like an elite elite quarterback and if you don't have that guy you're better off like starting over and chancing it on a guy you know in the draft than you are with sticking with a dependable quarterback like a like a Dalton or you know I guess Flacco's in that category uh and you know I think it it pays off at least to like would you rather be the, the Bengals where what you've been you've been in and out of the playoffs or at least close to the playoffs pretty much every year for the past seven eight years uh, but you really haven't had like that top end team where you were really considered you know a Super Bowl favorite, uh, or would you rather be in a situation where you're always kind of hunting for that quarterback and maybe you find him and you have your one year, but you're kind of you know you're wildly swinging up and down as, as you kind of try to find that guy. You don't you don't want to be the team without a quarterback, no. and there are many many teams a lot. that don't have one right now, and it, the week to week volatility uh, of those teams is understandable right. given the circumstances, but. Probably maddening if you're a fan of one of those teams. Steelers currently atop the AFC North. Big Ben could be back in Week 9. Of course, Steelers were off in Week 8. Sammy Coates, probably healthier after having that hand injury. And if if Ben's back in in Week 9, in leagues where Sammy Coates is available, he's a must-add this week as a waiver pickup. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he was kind of the guy that everyone was talking about what, three, four weeks ago, and then the Big Ben injury happens, and we kind of forgot about him. But no, I, I think he'll be firmly back whenever Roethlisberger is back. Let's take a look now uh, at the AFC South very briefly. America's division. I mean, Lamar Miller's banged up, not really doing a lot more than he did in Miami. He's just getting more volume. Mm-hmm. Efficiency looks exactly the same. DeAndre Hopkins seems broken couldn't go off against the Lions team without Darius Slay Uh, to me it's more about the quarterback play of Osweiler as opposed to Hopkins but 
I thought things couldn't be any worse than they were last year when Hopkins went off. And Boy, were you somehow, wrong. somehow they are. Like I was way yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, I mean, are we first of all? Are we officially going with America's division? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm, I mean, we had some other ideas, but I like that one the best. I think. Um, but yeah, this Texans team, and it was nice to see Lamar Miller running 17 times. I mean, there was some concern about his condition coming into this game, but I mean, again, no concern over whose job this is. Like, Alfred Blue is a, a viable number two back, uh, not a great number two back, but someone that you can trust. And uh, it's still very, very clear that this is Lamar Miller's job. Got into the end zone for, I think, only the second time on the ground uh, this season. I didn't expect Houston to win this game for, you know, as bad as they looked uh, in primetime last week. I, I think. I kind of thought they would be reeling a little bit more as a, as a team, but you know, once again, now firmly in the driver's seat uh, in America's division. Yeah, things are, are going great. Will Fuller didn't do anything in that matchup. It was uh, C.J. Fedorowicz, Wits, which I say Wits, but I Wits C.J. Fedorowicz. Yeah, Fedorowicz. He uh, he scored. He did exactly what the fantasy community was hoping for, picking mm-hmm. him up on waivers last week for that matchup against the Lions. But a disappointing offensive performance from Houston against Detroit, especially for that game being at home. Texans are 5-0 and at home, 0-3 on the road. It just it can't last. Here's the question, Can though. it, though? I don't know. Like they, It might last. Who's like, going to win this stupid division? Titans at 4-4, four and four, Colts 3-5, and five, your Jags at 2-5. and five. Jags are still like wildly in the thick of it, which is unbelievable. Um, I mean, that, you got to get on that 550 Texans are at Jags next week, at Everbank. I mean, obviously, like one of the toughest places to win, not only in the NFL, but in all of sports. Um, and if, if Jacksonville is somehow able to pull that out, which they won't, but if they can, like, things get even more interesting in the division because Tennessee looks pretty good. Yeah, you know, Mariota's by, by playing AFC well. South standards, they look very good. They can run it. Their defense isn't terrible. Right. I, I think the Titans right now are the best team in the South. Yeah, uh, I mean, I do. I wouldn't say the Colts are the best team, but like, there is still part of me that when you have Andrew Luck as your quarterback, like you can only sink so low. You know, like you, like the other three quarterbacks in this division are either, you know, well, I guess they're all inexperienced and they're all underachieving for the most part. I mean, Mariota's probably been the second best by a good margin, but that says more, I think, about Bortles uh, and Osweiler than it does about how he's looked in his second year. So the Colts might have the worst roster outside of the quarterback position, but I think their advantage at quarterback is is really what's kind of keeping them afloat. I think the Colts are about to fall to three and six for the matchup against the Packers on the horizon. Yeah. I mean, they don't have anything that resembles a quality team around Andrew no. Luck. I mean, Frank Gore used to be good and isn't terrible, but at the same time isn't the kind of running back that you can use to really lighten the load for a guy like Luck. Hilton didn't play well this week. Also got banged up, though, yeah, too. So I, think, you wonder, I think he was out of that game pretty early. I think that the hamstring problem was really the reason right. why he struggled in that game. Uh, he's averaging like 11 targets per game prior to this week. Uh, Dante Moncrief is back. He scored. I mean, that helps. So maybe you don't want to bury the Colts completely. Like the Chargers, they're 80-1 to 1 for their yeah. Super Bowl odds. I don't expect them to be a team good enough to no. win more than one playoff game if they make it that far. Uh, your Jags, we've talked enough Let's about just, them. We're just going to skip it. It's why. Like, why even bother? This is already too much. Let's go. Are you sure you're okay? Like, you seem really upset. I watched the game at a bar, which I very rarely watch sporting events at bars. I'm not, not really a big fan of doing that. But, like, I, I really... You really hit like a new low. I wasn't at the bar by myself, thankfully. Um, but it was just one of those situations, you know, it was, it was not a crowded bar. I thought there'd be more people out watching Jags Titans, you would think. Uh, but it was kind of, you know, you know, sit back, really kind of evaluate yourself. There was like a, 
you know, your typical bar setup, and we're sitting, my friend and I were sitting on stools, and there's, you know, kind of a mirror behind, like, the liquor shelves. I don't know, are those what those are called? Like, behind the bar, where all the behind, bottom, yeah, the liquor shelves, shelves right? The yeah. shelves. I didn't know if there's a special term for that, but, um, and you could kind of see, like, your reflection in the mirror, and, you know, it was one of those, like, glance up at the TV, it's it's 27 to 0. Make a face you know, of yourself. You're, you're drinking a $2 pitcher of PBR, um... You know, there's a, a couple pulled pork sliders there, you know, probably had some coleslaw on my face. Like, it was just one of those, like, can things really get any lower for me as a sports fan right now? I don't know that they can. That's probably rock bottom. Yeah. Well, yeah. well no. You were, like, rock bottom would be, the, like, if you were doing that exact same thing, but you were in, like, D.C. or L.A. or someplace where everything's really expensive. Yeah, like, the Chili's in the Chicago airport. Oh, yeah, the Chili's too. That was air. rock bottom. On the, getting our, our, missing our Vegas flight and then having to eat appetizers at the Chili's to go in the Chicago airport for seven hours. That was rock bottom. Yeah. Well, imagine that with the Jags losing. Yeah, right. This was, this was at the time. And this was back in July. I got the time I was riding high with the Jags. I think we had, we had just printed our football magazine. Mm-hmm. I was hyping up everybody on that team. It, everybody was, Things you weren't were alone. You, you were, you were, were on a long list of people that felt yeah. good about the Jags coming into the season. I was. And, uh, I'm now on the long list of people who look like idiots for saying that. Well, all those people probably need a website, and they can do it themselves, Wix.com. No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you, whether you're trying to wipe coleslaw off your face at the bar as you watch the Jags get blown out, or running your own business, you can use Wix.com. It's used by more than 84 million people worldwide. Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from and the drag-and-drop editor. There is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or a designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. All right, we're going to run through the NFC probably with uh, a bit more pace. Yeah, than pick up the tempo. Went through the AFC with... Uh, Cowboys winning against the Eagles yesterday. Dak's going to remain the starter. Dez came back, had a lot of targets, found the end zone. Zeke's running well. It's Dak's job for now. They get Cleveland this week, six in a row uh, for the Cowboys. I think until they lose, there's absolutely no way Tony Romo can take the job back. And even then, it might be a mistake. I don't know. I mean, like, being on Twitter during this game, you know, I was watching mostly the, the World Series and, you know, kind of flipping back and forth. Uh, but, like, you know, having not watched most of the first half, from what I had read, it was, you know, Romo's, you know, a lot of it was, you know, when's Romo coming back? You know, he's coming back a lot sooner now than he was before the game. You know, Prescott looked terrible in the first half. And then he leads them on a game-winning drive, you know, scrambles around, throws a, a game-winning touchdown in overtime to Jason Witten. Granted, uh, the Philadelphia defenders basically ran into each other and, and tripped, and that, that led to the touchdown. But still, it was it was that type of play where Prescott kind of fake ran left, spun back, you know, kind of the... The, the Aaron Rodgers move, I guess, where you kind of sense there's pressure from the left, spin back the opposite way, and just you know running left flick, uh, flick with the right hand. Obviously, 
that's a play that's like, can Tony Romo do that? I don't know. You know, it's one of those things where the threat to run, I think, with Prescott has added another dimension to this offense. We saw him have a running TD earlier in the game. Um, yeah, I still think Romo is, is clearly the better passer. He's done it over a much longer span. Uh, you have the sample size there, but the way I'm kind of with you, you know, like I don't know why you want to mess up a good thing. Like this, you know, this Eagles team isn't great, but this is a pretty good win at home. I mean, the Eagles defense has been as good as just about anybody's. You look at the rest of the NFC East, the Giants four and three Eagles four and three uh, Washington now four, three and one entering their bye. To me, those teams are all very similar. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles are good at home. They're not as good on the road. I mean, there's that's a common theme throughout the NFL. You're going to see that a lot, especially with a young quarterback. That's not that much of a surprise. I don't think the Eagles can make the playoffs. I think they're going to fall short by a game, maybe even two. I think the Giants will coach themselves out of games. They don't run the ball well. Ben McAdoo seems generally pretty clueless. Eli hasn't played particularly well. I think of these three teams behind the Cowboys, Washington, and much like Cincinnati, they might look back at this game and say, crap, we should have won this game at 5-3. and We really would have put ourselves in a good spot. That tie might be the difference between the NFC East getting a, a wild card team and not getting one at all. Well, who are your wild card teams? Then Green Bay and Arizona. I don't think the Vikings are going to win the division. No, I, I mean they're two games up on Green Bay. They already have a win over Green Bay. They get them head to head, and still at Lambeau later in the year. That could close the gap for one of those games. And I just I'm worried about the Vikings. I know their defense is really strong, but. I don't think that offense is showing me enough to where I, I see them yeah. running away with it. I, I think it could come out of the very last week. And even, okay, so even they get the, the Packers, Bears twice, though. The Packers will be one. Uh, if, if whoever loses the division between the Vikings and Packers, they get one of the wild cards. For me, the other one, it's probably Arizona. Even though they're three, four, and one, I think they're a more complete yeah. team than Tampa Bay. They might be better than anybody outside of Dallas in the NFC East, right? They should be better than all those teams in the NFC East, with the exception of Dallas. Uh, I'm not convinced that they're worse than Seattle, even though Seattle's 4-2-1 mm-hmm. and, and the Cardinals are 3-4-1. At Carolina was a tough spot with Carolina coming off the bye, especially after an overtime right. game and Carolina, last you know, week. they're not your run-of-the-mill 1-5 team either. No, Carolina to me, if you're looking for the, the NFC equivalent of the Chargers, like Carolina's one of those teams where you're looking at them and you're kind of like, they're not dead. If you're the Falcons, sure, you're happy. You're 5-3, and three, the Panthers are 2-5. and five, mm-hmm. But you're still probably just as worried about Carolina as you are about Tampa Bay and New Orleans. I, yeah, I think so, too. I, I, Carolina you know, might have dug themselves too big of a hole to, to climb out of, ultimately, but they're still only a game behind both Tampa Bay and, and, and New Orleans. And if you're, yeah, if you're Atlanta and you're starting to look in the rearview mirror a little bit and you know, some, one of those three teams is starting to reel off wins, I think you don't want it to be Carolina, right? I mean, Carolina is still the most talented overall team in that division. I think they have... You know, arguably still the best quarterback in that division, despite uh, how, how much Cam has struggled at times this season. But yeah, if you're Atlanta, I, I think this Carolina team, even though they only have two wins, still scares you considerably more than than Tampa or New Orleans does. Yeah, definitely look at it that way. Uh, quickly with the Eagles, I just don't understand last night why Ryan Matthews disappeared. Wendell Smallwood fumbled, he disappeared, yep. and then it was all Darren Sproles, which. I just don't think you sure. can rely on that week to week. No, you I can mean, try to pick him up, but you're going to be disappointed he when they go has back like three to Matthews of these or games a year. Yeah, it's just and that's it. The carry volume is way higher than I ever would have expected. Maybe there's more of like a Jacquez Rogers flash from him than than I'm expecting, but not breaking the piggy bank mm-hmm. to get him in the leagues that use Fab where he's available. I think he's still the same old Sproles. I just can't figure out what Doug Peterson uh, was thinking as far as Washington goes. 
Rob Kelly got some volume, and I'm just not convinced that Matt Jones is getting that job back. I think uh, with the extra time off of the bye, it complicates things a lot because you could pick up Kelly yep. and you're stashing him away, not knowing at all what Jones's status might look like heading into Week Ten. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to do that in our in our stake league. I you know yeah. once again once again proved myself as a dominant fantasy football player and traded Jonathan Stewart for Alshon Jeffrey, which you know Stewart went off yesterday, but we'll see we'll see how that turns out. Um, and that basically resulted in me having to pick up Robert Turbin. And yes, all right. So, Turbin. yeah, I think I'm going to set the league low in single week points this week. What uh, do you have right now? Like 66. That's pretty low. That's pretty low. I, someone, I think, has been lower at some point. Maybe. I'll have, to, I'll have to check. Hopefully I make it out of the basement. I mean, if Jeffrey, if Jeffrey does some things tonight, that'll look a little bit better. But, uh, yeah, the running back situation has been tough, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about at the top with you know a guy like Ajayi can be a legitimate top five or top six running back because there are that many injuries and there are that many teams that are in the situation that Washington's in where you know when Chicago's in the same situation in some ways where you have like two or three guys, one of which you you know casual fans have probably never heard of, who could end up being the number one rusher just like Rob Kelly was on Sunday in any given week. Fair point, and it's it's, tough. it's where thing. It's like you have to speculate a week early to avoid wasting a right. lot of your fab too, because it's not always clear. Like, oh, okay, well, Sharkandrick West is worth yeah. paying up for now. I mean, if, if last minute before last week you said, hey, now that Jamal Charles had this big setback, yeah, Spencer Ware, as good as he is, if he goes down, Sharkandrick West could be a top fifteen running back this time next week, and lo and behold, that's what happened. Right. I feel like. That's what you have to do at running back if you don't have one that you like is just spec on right. a good situation. The running back situation, if you don't have one of the top five guys, is just like playing the injury lottery every week. Well, and I've seen D'Angelo Williams get cut in a few leagues recently, especially with the Steelers on bye this past week. But if Le'Veon Bell goes down again, he's a difference maker. So yeah. he's the kind of player that you, you pick him up freely when everyone else is throwing right. their money at West and Rob Kelly. And if something happens to Bell, then yeah. you cash in. Like that's that's the way I think you have to manage your bench uh, once these bye weeks have uh, wrapped up. You know that that's part of the problem is you have to have players you can actually use yep. on your roster. NFC West, Seattle to me not very good because Russell Wilson isn't the same player anymore. The defense is great; they win at home, but I'm not that confident in Seattle right now. I think the the Vegas odds on them having them as the second most favorited team behind New England to win the Super Bowl. I, I don't see it. That's just like I think that's again is like kind of a record wise thing where you look and say, all right, well they're four and two. Um, well, and I guess they're probably going. They have a, like it's like okay, they have a fast track to the playoffs uh, at this point, and it's still so early that it's hard to speculate. But they're four two and one. Um, you know they have they already kind of have the they they don't have a tie break over Arizona, do they? How does how do you like break a tie with a tie? Probably it would be like divisional record yeah. or uh, point differential. I mean, there's the list I think of tiebreakers. Best of is seven, extensive. rock, paper, scissors is the next one. I think they should let the two kickers come in and just like kick it out where every, you, you basically alternate, right? You hit a 20 yarder, other guy has to hit a 20 yarder, you back up five yards, you just keep going until sure. somebody misses. Almost like PKs, like, but, yeah, like PKs. but with field goals. I think that'd be. I, I, people don't want to see it decided by kickers, though, right? Isn't that isn't that a common criticism of the NFL? Is I mean, we love shootouts. What if we? What if they did something where they had like three down linemen, the quarterback, and then you know, like like seven on seven or something for yeah. like for overtime. I don't know open what the, up space. I don't know what the the right move is. I, mean, I I love college overtime, but I don't want that set up in the NFL because I care about statistics and I don't want you'd have players. 
with like four or five receiving touchdowns in games, you know, because you're starting from the 25 yard line. You see that in college all the time where like, you know, if Texas Tech goes into overtime, Patrick Mahomes might finish with eight touchdowns because he's starting from the 25 yard line three times in, in that, you know, short overtime period. So I don't know. There's no perfect way to do it. I, the, the, what we saw with Arizona and Seattle is kind of like the, the worst case, I guess, for this overtime where the team that gets the ball first kicks a field goal, which doesn't win the game. The other team comes down, you know, strings together a, a lengthy-ish drive, ties it with a field goal. That leaves you with, what, four or five minutes left? And, and it's a sudden death scenario at that point, but you're not starting at the 20 or the 25 like you are in college football. You have to go 80 yards in that amount of time, and if you don't do it, the game is likely over. I mean, overtime as a concept for the NFL in the regular season, to me, seems unnecessary. The game should just be tied at the end of the fourth quarter. There should be no overtime. No. Teams would be more aggressive to not tie. Yeah, I, I really. By the way, I really thought. I don't, did you watch the London game? Were you up in time? I was up for some of it. Okay, yeah. you saw the end. Like, I really thought Washington might just take a knee to end the game in the tie instead of launching that ill-fated. Uh, that was just like the worst Hail Mary of all time. I didn't know. I, I didn't um, see the end. Well, it, Cousins kind of he was flushed out. And as you know, like they they rush three and somehow of course get to him like immediately. Yeah, and, and he he's flushed out of the pocket and con- he had contact a little bit and basically the ball like landed at like the fifteen yard line. Uh, but I, I honestly thought I was like, if you're Washington, like why even risk like a fluky pick six or something? Like just take a knee, get out of there with the tie. So, all right, let's let's close the book on the NFC West because it's probably behind the or maybe only ahead of the AFC South for intrigue right now. Uh, David Johnson is elite, uh, no, no no questions there. Larry Fitzgerald better than I thought coming into the season. JJ Nelson scoring twice. I'm not really sure what that means. I, I, I don't know if it means anything, to be honest. I think it could just be the result of Michael Floyd. Uh, I think he was a healthy scratch in this game, but not completely healthy, just active in case of emergency, kind of like uh, Will Fuller a few weeks ago. I, I, targets have been there the last two games, like 19 targets the last two weeks for Nelson. I just don't know if you can bank on that going forward. I think it's really just fits in the field for the pass catchers until John Brown is completely healthy because his target volume is way down in this game, even though he scored. Uh, the Rams are, are just bad. It's Todd Gurley or bust. I, I still don't really trust Kenny Britt enough as someone you'd want to throw out there as more than a desperation flex or third receiver in a deep league. Jeff Fisher and company, they're going to finish 7-9 and nine again because yes. that's what they do. Uh, the Niners are horrible. They're bad against the run. Other than Carlos Hyde, I don't like a single player on their offense as being useful in the second half of the season. That's just where they're at yeah. right now. Yeah, we talked about a couple weeks ago the Super Bowl bet of you know four teams or the field. Like, was there a bet before the season where you could take like, all right, Los Angeles Rams finish seven and nine or the field? Like, I would have taken seven and nine, right? Uh, what do you mean, or the field? The field is any other record. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, just like, yeah, seven and nine. Like, if you were going to bet seven and nine, you probably had to, like, it was probably like minus 110. You know, like, that's yeah. it. It's like almost even money. Yeah, it's like you're you're throwing your money away if you're not betting seven and nine. Yeah, really, really bad. Um, but yeah, San Francisco, nothing exciting. I, I expect nothing to change. I mean, they're bad against the run, they're not good against the pass. New Orleans goes into San Francisco this week, they're going to shred them regardless of who's playing running back it, it, none of it matters like san francisco versus cleveland for the number one overall pick is the most exciting thing that those teams have to look forward to right now and at least cleveland is much more watchable again as we talked about earlier in the nfc north the vikings i'm worried about the offense i want to see what Jarek mckinnon can do once he gets healthy because the volume's been there we're going to see a lot of matt asiata tonight uh, sam bradford is is good enough with that defense to 
help them maybe win the division. I'm just not locking them in for it just yet. I want to see uh, what they do in a few more of their upcoming matchups. Yeah, tonight won't be a test necessarily, even though it's a road Monday night game. But this is this is a good team or a very good team. Not necessarily an elite one at this point. The NFC to me just looks wide open right now. Like Dallas, mm-hmm. record-wise, is the best team in the conference. I think if it's Atlanta and Dallas, I think I'd take Atlanta. Atlanta did look good. There's there's such a tough team to trust after all the ups and downs that we've seen from them over the past couple of years. And it's like things are mostly the same. You know, they they switch coaches what before last season. But other than that, you know, it's like Julio's still there, Matt Ryan's still there, Freeman's still the back. Like there aren't these like drastic changes where you come into this season, like Dallas, for example. It's like, you know, it's hard to even get a read on this team because you have a new quarterback and a new running back and, and all that. But with with Atlanta, it's kind of like they're they're running back with the same cast, and they just it's hard to say. Like, are they actually a better football team? Like, can Matt Ryan pull off this? You know, he was great first couple of years, down for the next four years. Now he's back all of a sudden. Like, it just makes it hard. Like, can you actually believe in this? But even with as depleted as this Green Bay team was yesterday, this was one of those classic. You know, it doesn't matter. Rodgers was locked in. Doesn't matter who's catching the balls. Uh, he was going to make things work, and they did. And Atlanta was still able to find a way to win. They were able to drive down at the end of the game. Uh, and complete what was a pretty impressive drive uh, overall. 11 plays, 75 yards, uh, and then able to find Mohamed Sanu in the back of the end zone to cap it off. So oh, I, I think you, you got to look at this Green Bay team as not at its peak, but still a quality win for an Atlanta team that, that I think did a little bit to quell the, the volatility label that, that it had rightfully earned. Yeah, I mean, and they were trending that way after what happened in Denver and even in Seattle with that close loss, too. Yeah. So uh, it looks kind of legit with the Falcons right now. I mean, I, I, I'm buying in at least, and maybe I'll end up getting duped. Uh, we talk a lot about the Packers, so I need to go in-depth there. But the Lions, they're 4-4, four and four, even with the loss at Houston. To me, that's a surprise. Uh, negative point differential, a bad defense, an offense that is better than I expected without Kelvin Johnson, yep. uh, but still a team that I'm, I'm looking at probably finishing seven and nine eight and eight think what they've done so far is lions i'm not going to pretend to get a read on this team i don't know if anybody does i think what they've done so far is just very indicative of what they're likely to do in the second half uh bears at one and six not a not as bad of a a team as you might think at a glance i mean if the bears play the niners the bears to me on a neutral field be favored by like four maybe even more yeah i'm 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 not really sure on that either it's yeah that i mean vikings are going to clean up tonight right they should win pretty easily. I think the line is only like four or four, four and, and a half, half on the road for, for Minnesota. They should win. Coming off a loss, I think they'll be all right. Um, Offensive line for Minnesota is part of the concern, yes. though, too. We saw we saw Sam Bradford uh, getting harassed frequently by Philadelphia last week. And Philadelphia has a good pass rush, but that, to me, could be the uh, Achilles heel for Minnesota going forward. The offensive line play could become a problem because if the offensive line is not opening up holes for McKinnon and Asiata, they're not protecting Bradford that could make things a lot more difficult and puts a lot of strain on that defense to be excellent week in and week out. Uh, in the South, Falcons look legit. I mean, uh, that, oh, Sorry, sorry, sorry. I meant to bring this up. Before we move to a new division, uh, do we slash can we address the Geronimo Allison tweets? No. No? I, I just, <laughs> no? I don't care. I care, but all right. No, that's probably for the best. I just I, – I, I don't – I just – yeah, I don't care. He went from, like, random practice squad guy to, like, possible legend – in my book, in about a 30-second span there. Yeah, I guess it depends how you define legend. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it's getting, getting a lot of attention, as you would expect oh, man, in those this are incredible. climate. I mean, wow. Yeah, not wow. not a, not good. Reminded me a lot of your Twitter account. 
Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking at first. Like, did Derek hack Geronimo's account? That's probably that's probably the most plausible <laughs> explanation anyone can come up with. Uh, let's talk Falcons. Uh, we talked Falcons before. Yeah. We'll skip to the Bucks. Jameis isn't as good as I thought. I expected a big step from Jameis this year. Maybe it happens in the second half of the season. Uh, disappointing game yesterday against Oakland. Mike Evans didn't do much in that matchup either. I mean, it's kind of Evans or bust when it comes to that passing game. Uh, they're burning through running backs because right. Jacquez Rogers got hurt. Could be a lot of Antoine Smith and, and Peyton Barber on the yes. short week Michael going Pittman's up against still the, on the roster. Bring back Michael Pittman, Charlie Garner. Bring Oof. them all back. Uh, Saints are also at 3-4 and four right now. I think maybe they're a nine and seven team at best, but the, the Tim Hightower thing yesterday really set me off because Mark Ingram lost the fumble for the second consecutive week, got benched early in the first quarter because Earl Thomas recovered that fumble and took it to the house. And the annoying thing about it is that Sean Payton pointed out it wasn't a case where Ingram was failing to protect the ball. It was a case where Seattle defensively just made a good play in stripping the ball loose. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was an interesting situation. Only three carries uh, for Ingram in that game burned a lot of people who used him in, in daily uh, or season long. Uh, but going back to the Bucks real quick, I mean, one of the other things that's disappointed me about Jameis is not only the, the inconsistency as a passer, but he's not really running the ball all that much either. And they didn't use him, you know, in the Cam Newton role or anything last year where, you know, they're running designed runs on first down or anything like that. But this is a guy who got into the end zone uh, on the ground six times last season uh, was you know one of their better options around the goal line. That was kind of where he did most of his work, and maybe part of it is they haven't been in those situations all that often. But only one rushing touchdown on the year for Jameis, and that just really hasn't been a part of this offense. Yeah, it was a, a sneaky part of his value last right. year. It has not been there thus far. But uh, Tampa, I think, has a big test on their hands with Atlanta on a short week. I think we'll know a lot more about the Bucks after that matchup. Uh, we talked about the Saints with the running game. As far as the passing game goes, Brandon Cooks got in the end zone this week. Uh, the ball was really spread around quite a bit by Drew Brees against that Seattle defense. Michael Thomas looks like a steady like wide receiver three type based on the usage. Even Willie Sneed, I think, continues to be a, a weekly consideration. Uh, this coming week against San Francisco, I think you're going to see a lot of heavy investments in New Orleans from a DFS standpoint. And, of course, Carolina, who we talked about uh, briefly before, they look like a team that might be figuring some things out. Eight sacks of Carson Palmer in that win against the Cardinals, kind of a must-win sort of uh, scenario. We talked about their upcoming schedule a few weeks back, but I I think with Carolina, they're just not dead, as I said before. They they could still make a run. Long shot for sure, but I think they could do it because Tampa and New Orleans are so inconsistent. Yeah, I think so. This would this would be a very uh, Carolina and very like Cam Newton thing to do. I feel like you know the way that the season has gone for them is like everything's gone bad, and yet they're still like a game out of second place, basically in that division right now. And you know, like we said earlier in the podcast, like this is a team that has the talent to play with anyone any week, and it would not be all that shocking if they ripped off eight wins in a row. Yeah. I, I think that's a fair way to sum it up. That's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Eric are back with you with a waiver episode on Tuesday.
Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.